We are in the book of Luke tonight, chapter number 10. I'm going to continue my study on Am I My Brother's Keeper? If you missed that sermon, uh, you can go back and watch it. Now you can go to WashingtonHeightsBC.com, go to the live page, okay, and you will see the uh, all of the videos lined up right there. Uh, and you can go find last Sunday night sermon where we begin this series on answering the question, am I my brother's keeper? And I won't re-preach the whole message from last Sunday, but I'll give you a brief overview so that you're prepared for tonight, okay? We took Genesis there, obviously, where uh, Cain slew his brother Abel, got in trouble with God. God asked him, where's your brother at? And he's like, basically, how do I know? Am I my brother's keeper? And, of course, he was being very nonchalant about it, acting like, well, first he lied, but then he acted like it was not his responsibility to care for his brother. Uh, of course, we have determined through studying the teachings of Christ that it is, in fact, our responsibility to help keep or hedge or guard or protect, to keep a watch over our brothers and our sisters. Amen. And so uh, we talked about that, how, what leads to, uh, to such a cold and calloused attitude towards the well-being of others is three things that we studied last Sunday night. First, it was self-righteousness. Secondly, it was a relationship problem. He didn't have a, a, his, his relationship with God anchored down. And so naturally, because he was out of fellowship with God, he was out of fellowship with his brothers uh, and sisters and uh, mankind. And then there was a religion problem because he was unwilling to repent and he was stubborn about standing his ground and staking his claim in his own belief system. He, of course, had to invent his own religion to justify his wicked deeds. And so... Anytime there's calloused hearts towards brothers and sisters, it's, it's typically one or of three, if not a mixture of, or all of these three elements. Self-righteousness, relationship problems, religious problems, okay? And uh, so if you want the, the details on that, you have to go back and watch last Sunday night, all right? But now tonight, we're going to continue to talk about the question, am I my brother's keeper? And I'm going to now take you to Luke chapter 10, and we're going to read verses 30 through 37. Uh, no, let me back up. I'm going to start reading verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, what is written in the law? How readest thou? And it's important how you read the word. Amen. Some people read it different than others. Jesus is curious as to how this man is going to twist the Bible to justify himself. That's why he says, how readest thou? <laughs> anyway, verse 27, and he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind, thy neighbor as thyself. And Jesus uh, answered him, said, Thou hast answered right this do, and thou shalt live. 
And of course, Jesus is right. If he could have been righteous, he would have lived eternally on his own accord. But the Bible and Jesus knew that he could not do all the commandments. He was trying to test Jesus, but Jesus was actually putting him to the test, right? Because the, the law was a schoolmaster, not to teach us how to do right necessarily, to teach us what is right and to teach us that we can't do it on our own. That's what it was sent for. He said, this do and thou shalt live. Uh, verse 29, but he, watch your Bible, willing to justify himself, saith, said unto Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So apparently this guy had a list of people that he did not love because he did not categorize them as his neighbors. Okay? And so here we are categorically figuring out how that we can use. Now he's a lawyer. What do lawyers do? Lawyers are excellent at getting out of things with technical uh, what do they call it uh, in law? Uh, technicalities. Lawyers are experts at technicalities. Uh, they will completely overlook the heart of the law over some technicality. And and, and that's why you see people uh, getting off with murder and all kinds of stuff is because of some... So here he is. Here, he's good at this. He's reading the Word of God, but he's reading it like a lawyer reads it, looking for a loophole. All right. And he thinks he's found one, and he thinks he's got one over on Jesus. <laughs> now watch your Bible. Verse 30, Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou sendest, spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now, Jesus asked, of these three, thinkest thou, was neighbor unto him that fell among thieves? And he said, he that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, go and do thou likewise. I have a feeling that's where Jesus got him, right there. Because I have a feeling the man got to thinking back and realizing it was probably the very people that he should have helped that he just uh, justified himself not helping. Okay? And so, uh, looking at this scripture, now let me pull my notes up. 
Uh, looking back at verse number 29, okay. Uh, let me make sure I'm right. Yeah, where it says, but he willing to justify himself, said to Jesus, who is my neighbor. He's willing to justify himself, right? Uh, I want to point something out here. Many times we justify the reasons why we don't reach out and help our fellow man. Am I right? If I'm right, say you're right, preacher. Amen. Type it there in the comment. Hallelujah. All right. Sometimes we are more busy trying to figure out the reasons why we shouldn't help somebody than we are just doing it because God said do it. Amen. Trying to justify our own lack of actions. Sometimes we justify our actions, but in this case, he's trying to justify what he wasn't doing. Sometimes people come into our lives and they need help. And 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 admittedly, they probably did it to themselves. Probably done something stupid. Made a poor financial choice. Uh, had uh, developed poor habits. Maybe picked up a di an addiction that's just drained them of every, their whole life. And now they're on your doorstep needing help. And what do we typically feel when that happens? Well, he got himself in this mess. He can get himself out. I'm not responsible for his situation. And to a and in a sense, that is true. You're not responsible for his actions, but you are responsible for your reaction to their plea for help. Now, what do we do about this? Let's look at it. It says, uh, it says that he was willing to justify himself, and I just want to emphasize that. But here's my point, point number one, uh, and I'm going to just give you three th simple things. This is this is not rocket science. This is not uh, complicated. This is not deep. This is very elementary, okay? Number one, don't define who you will help and who you won't. Let me ask you a question. Who gets to decide for us who we're going to help and who we're not? If you are bought with a price. If you are a child of God and the Bible says ye are not your own, then who calls the shots? Who gives us the parameters in which to assist others? Well, it would be the Lord, wouldn't it? Then how come a lot of times we're saying no when Jesus is saying yes? We're saying I can't when Jesus saying Jesus is saying you can. We're shutting up our bowels of compassion with resentment towards others. And Jesus is wanting us to have grace and have mercy. One of the biggest reasons Christians don't reach out and help people more is because we are in a deficit as it relates to grace and mercy. Oh, we'll take all the grace and mercy God will shovel our way, but we're a little bit more hesitant to extend that to others sometimes, aren't we? And so to be a brother's keeper is to be willing to help sinners because guess what? You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. We're all sinners in need of assistance from God Almighty. And God, he not, it's not maybe, it's not he might, but he will use the instrument 
of a, uh, of a sinning human being to reach out and help another sinning human being. Can we get any more real than that? Oh, you say, well, Brother Gary, God, God don't use those that, uh, that, uh, that, that mess up. God don't use a, an unclean vessel. Listen, I understand that concept that, that you can't just uh, live in, in the hog pen and expect God to use you in a great mighty way. I understand that. That's not what we're talking about. I'm just talking about everybody saved or lost has to admit the fact that until this this old vile wretched flesh that we live in has been redeemed in the rapture and transformed into that new incorruptible body we are going to have sin in our body uh and redemption is not complete in other words you're going to still sin from time to time and you might as well quit being condescending on other people who've messed up and pretending like you are perfect and pretending like you're worthy and pretending like they're not and start reaching out and helping people. Amen. Because but were it were not for the grace of God, we would be in the same ditch. Amen. Amen, church. So don't define who you're going to help. Let God define that. Now, when we look at how God defines who he's going to help, uh, what verse comes to mind? Anybody you want to put a scripture down there in the comments? What verse comes to mind when you ask the question, who has God decided to help? Hmm? I'm thinking about this verse. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm thinking about John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Now I understand that there are situations that require great discernment and you have to have discernment as to how you help people. But help them we must try. Amen? And so we must seek God's wisdom and guidance but the key issue is that whatever you do and however you approach it, you do it with wisdom and you do it with harmlessness, but you do it with grace and mercy and you do do what you're able to do with the help and aid of the Spirit of God. Amen. And so don't, don't define it by man's traditions, by general attitudes, uh, by the way you were raised to think about uh you know, uh, bums and losers and all that kind of, you know how we got all these phrases we've coined for people that are not productive and they're just always in trouble and they're always broken, they're always begging and there's always barring and they're always in trouble and we and, and we get weary, amen, and we just think to ourselves sometimes, well, you know, I've had to work my whole life for everything I earn, what's wrong with them, why can't they? And, and a lot of times, God, that's not the point. The point is God wants us to learn how to reach out and help people who either can't or won't help themselves because God is a savior like that. He has come to save. Amen. So don't don't define it yourself. Let God define that. Let me go on to verses 31 and 32 real quick. If you're getting this, say amen. All right. Verse 31. Uh, by And by chance there came down a certain priest. Now stop right there. Notice it said by chance. I love the way the scripture reads that. If you will notice, this guy was not the one that helped the the one in the ditch. Okay? So, perhaps it was by chance. I don't see much providential 
and him being instrumental in God using him, other than the fact that that he uh, helps us get a broader perspective of all of the events that surrounded this guy and his need for help. We have three different individuals to look at here. So other than the fact that he was there and we need to learn what not to do, he really wasn't providentially the one that God picked out to help the guy. All right. But could it be, I want to pose this in the form of a question. I've got, I want you to put your thinking caps on for a minute. Could it be that the scripture called it by chance because that was his perspective on it? Maybe this priest walked by and thought, you know what, I, I, I don't see God in this. I don't think God would want me to do this. I, it just so happens I'm here. It's just a coincidence. Amen. Uh, but here's here's the point I want to make. Because if you look at verse 32, it also said, and likewise a Levite. So you had you had a, a priest and a Levite that both came, quote unquote, by chance, right? But here's what we can learn from that. Don't discard opportunities as just random chance or coincidence. Start paying attention to the details in your life. Because a lot of time, providence looks like randomness. Providence a lot of times looks like just a chance or a coincidence. But it is in fact orchestrated by a divine Savior who wants you to connect with somebody who just so happens to be in your life at that moment in time. So what I think we need to do is we need to learn from these guys and start praying Lord, help me not to miss my divine opportunity to make an eternal difference in somebody else's life. How easy would it be for us to write off uh, uh, an interaction with any number of people throughout any given day as just the way things would have happened and it was just random and it didn't seem like anything divinely was orchestrated at all. But how many times could those moments prove providential if we would be more open and willing to speak up in moments that don't always seem to fit the mood at the time you know like for example you're pumping gas and there's another guy on the other side of the gas pump pumping his gas and all of a sudden the holy spirit might say hey give them a gospel track and you might just be thinking to yourself well this is this is so random, you know, there's no way we can win the world passing tracks out at the gas pump, you know. But it could be that that gospel track could change their eternal destiny because you recognize it as more than just a chance, right? And so just don't assume that the circumstances are so naturally born that providence is not involved in it. Always assume that God can take that moment and that opportunity as seemingly random as it may be or feel and turn it into a revival, turn it into a salvation, turn it into a testimony. Amen. So don't define who you will help and who you won't. Number two, don't discard opportunities as random chance or coincidence. Pay attention to God's divine order in your life. Amen. These guys no doubt got the quote, not my job, end quote, award, right? <laughs> Y'all see them memes, not my job, right? Uh, I was looking at one of them memes the other day and uh, somebody was painting the, 
the yellow line uh, or or the white line rather on the side of a highway, and uh, there was like a uh, like a shoe or no, it was a branch. I remember it was a branch laying uh, over the edge of the highway, and they were so lazy that they just kept rolling and painting and just painted right over that branch. You know, not my job, right? <laughs> and and this uh this priest and this Levite walked right on by this guy like like they weren't sent to minister to that particular individual. How many times do we have the not my job attitude when somebody comes up in our life and we either feel like we don't have time, we don't have the resources, or we don't have the interest or whatever it is, and we just say that's not my job, that's for somebody else for another day. But I'm just saying a lot of times we miss opportunities because we write it off as random chance and coincidence when it could be a divine appointment. Amen. Now let me go on to the last point. Look at verse number 33. The, but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. I see that he was deliberate here. So the point number three I want to make is be deliberate when directed by divinely ordered circumstances. You got to be deliberate. He intentionally and deliberately came to where he was because he saw something that the other two guys didn't see. He saw a ministry opportunity. He saw a man down. A lot of times, that's. do you realize that could just revitalize a church if everybody in the church had the attitude that every problem in the lives of the church members is a ministry opportunity. If you start approaching it as a ministry opportunity, that requires you to reach out and minister, right? And when you begin to minister healing and minister the oil of the Holy Spirit through the declaration of God's promises over people's lives. All of a sudden, they receive healing, and all of a sudden, there's a testimony there, and God begins to knit uh, the church fellowship back together or stronger than they've ever been because people became deliberate about going to where other people are. Now, notice he did come to where he was, which means that he didn't walk on the other side, but it also means that he didn't say, I'll meet you halfway, did he? <laughs> How many times are we guilty of saying, you know, I'm going to help those who help themselves? You know, and, and I got to thinking about that. If God waited for us to help ourselves before he came to us, we would have never been saved. We were not able to help ourselves. We were not. There's nothing we could have done to save ourselves. God didn't meet me halfway. He came all the way to where I was and dragged me out of my mess. Somebody needs to say hallelujah right there. Thank God that he went all the way for you and I. And I believe that this message right here teaches us that to be a brother's keeper, we need to be willing to go the distance. We need to be willing to go the distance because he brought them to an end. He took care of them. He even uh, paid for the bill. And when he got back, he, if there's anything left over, he paid it to. He made sure that this fellow was restored to fullness of health. 
Now, how committed are you and I to helping a brother in need? Do we just barely help them and then wish them the best and say, be ye warmed and filled? Or do we follow up with them until we know that complete restoration has occurred? Are we patient with our brothers and sisters until they come around, until they are restored? Or do we get impatient and quickly uh, write off uh, any efforts that we've made as, as a waste of time and decide, you know what, I'm done with them. And the churches need, we all the churches, ours included, every church needs a revival of the ministry of restoration and reconciliation. And it starts by being a brother's keeper. To be willing to help someone in a time of need at their, at their greatest point of pain and then to nurse them back to health by being a constant and steady voice of hope and help and encouragement in their life. To be that rock-steady friend of theirs that they know that you will be there if hell freezes over. You will be there if their mama and daddy forsake them. Where is the commitment to be our brother's keeper today? Who, who would the Holy Spirit be nudging your heart to call right now? Somebody is coming to your mind right now that they've been dropped. They've been dropped. They, they messed up, maybe. They made some foolish choices, maybe. But they were spiritually immature at the time. And now they're left to their own demise to suffer in their own shame. And nobody at the church wants to call and check on them or be seen with them out in public because we're too goody to shoe. We're like the priest and leave out walking on the other side. When God is saying, go to him, you which are spiritual are to restore such a one. Amen. In the spirit of meekness, lest you be also tempted. In other words, you can make the same mistake as them. So, amen, swallow your pride. Amen, junk your self-righteous religion and go and be your brother's keeper. Restore them back to health. Oh, that God would give us a determination to help one another live victoriously in Christ. And when you see a brother down, you don't kick him while they're down. You get down in the ditch with them and be willing to make yourself of no reputation. In other words, I don't care what people might say or think about me if I help this individual. I'm going to do what Jesus would do and I'm going to accept Jesus' reward. I don't need man's reward, recognition, or anything else. And if we'd all just do that, could you imagine the healing that would take place in our churches? Man, the forgiveness, the revival would break out if we would just learn how to be better at being our brother's keeper. Amen, church. So some food for thought. Let's go the distance. Let's ask God to help us to be better and better at checking on one another, following up with one another, fellowshipping with one another, encouraging one another. Amen. And help one another get through our struggles and get the victory that awaits when we work together as a team called the body of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the word. Help us, God to take these truths and apply them to our lives. I pray that it would work healing in our hearts. Lord, if there's any situation in our church body that needs uh, healing, I pray that this word would minister the healing needed. And God, help us, Lord, to be our brother's keeper, our sister's keeper, Lord, 
uh, help us to watch for one another and encourage one another hold one another accountable but lord uh, to, to to help one another up and lord till we can learn to live in victory together and watch what you can do through a sold out church we pray and ask it in jesus name for sake amen and amen thank you so much for watching tonight don't forget to share this if you haven't already done so and uh tell somebody about it uh, it might might be the word they need until next time this is pastor gary signing out love you have a good evening.